Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. On New Year's Day there is always the traditional race in Baal, which is part of the XVL Badkamers Trophy. Here with me to talk about the Cyclocross races here are Ton and Issam. Hello. Hey everybody and Happy New Year. Well, Sven Nijs, uh, he used to ride here up the Balerberg and the race, it uh, carries his name, the GP Sven Nijs. And for a pretty long time, we had a pretty decent battle here with uh, quite some riders at the front. Tell us about it, Issam. Yeah, in the, the men's race, it was a very good start from everybody. No real problems. It were the Tormans boys that really were leading in the first lap. Hermans and Van Kessel were really strong. From there on, it was actually Pitcock that thought that it was enough to have such a big group. He tried to, you know, to break the group in parts. Van der Poel saw the danger and followed him. Iserbeet was close by. Van Aert had a little bit of hiccups here and there, and you know, but managed to to stay up with the group. Van Kessel had a very bad crash on the uh, on the barriers, but that went all right, I guess. Uh, he had no real issues, but you know, it hampered him in the course of the race. Uh, Van Aert saw the danger in the two in front with Van der Poel and Pitcock, bridged the gap and actually led that group for a while. We had a, a leading group for a while with Van Turenhout, Van der Poel, Pitcock, Van Aert and Iserbiet. Uh, we were thinking that it was going to be maybe uh, you know those five battling for the victory and then Van der Poel decided a little bit over halfway through the race that it was enough, that those five should be a little bit separated and he attacked. Actually, when he attacked, there was like, nobody that really responded on it. Uh, Pitcock tried to bridge that gap, but you know, stuck halfway through and couldn't really come closer. Uh, Van Aert was a little bit more behind, behind Van Turenhout and Iserbiet. I think maybe a little hold up. Tried to bridge that gap, uh, but only came to Pitcock, overtook Pitcock afterwards and uh, had to settle then for a second. And it was Van der Poel in the end who won the first race of the 2021 season. In front for Van Aert and uh, Pitcock. So that win of Van der Poel in the beginning of the race, he looked to be chilling a bit in the group, not going maximum, full out, waiting a bit perhaps with the races of tomorrow and the day after tomorrow in his head. But then when he attacked, he did it on a really smart moment in my opinion. I personally think that he uh, waited until Van Turnout or Isabit was in the lead. This time it was Van Turnout in the lead. He knew, oh, Van Turnout, I can drop him. And he tried to use him as a mobile chicane. Um, so Van Aert and Pitcock first needed to pass him. What do you guys think about this? I think definitely it was it was a calculated move because there were there were two guys in between uh, in between Van Aert and Van der Poel then so uh, he definitely had looked behind he knew what the situation was and it was it was a very smart move to do but I think uh, especially an a, an elite rider like Van Aert should have been a little bit attentive in a way I think Van Aert is is like really a guy that that is very smart in his racing skills he knows where he has to follow another rider so it's 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 I think a mistake that Van Aert made that we don't see that often and uh, Van der Poel was very smart and I think that really won him the race. Of course Van Aert also had that crash on that off-camera that maybe hampered him a bit and that was maybe a reason that he was a bit further at the back of the group. Yeah true but you know in the end uh, you should never let Van der Poel go on that place so so quickly so easily. I think that uh, Van Aert didn't even like try to to move up front uh, after that move of Van der Poel so yeah, I think that he he definitely lost the race here, and he definitely lost that race in that move there to not follow Van der Poel. Yeah, it's just very good racecraft, I think, by Van der Poel. Uh, it's just a moment where Van der Aert is too far back. Uh, he has the 
probably the worst person in the group on his wheel and at that moment he knows just open the race now or it's probably going down to a last lap with how good uh, Van Aert was looking today. For at least the first maybe two thirds of the race Van der Poel looked in complete control of this race knowing exactly when to react on which attack but then afterwards he said that he dug really deep he didn't have his best day. What do you guys think? Because I personally never had really had the feeling that he was going that deep during the race. I, I think that, that, that he was definitely pushed to a certain level of effort. Uh, you know, after, his, after the race, he did his interview and he looked, he looked tired in a way. So I don't know if, you know, if that's really true or not. Uh, but, but I would say that, you know, he couldn't relax the last lap because Fadat was chasing him down. Uh, he did a little bit. He did relax a little bit, I think, but not much. And I think he wanted to have a little bit a bigger gap, to uh, you know, to have a little bit of rest because his program is pretty uh, pretty tough and pretty busy. Well, I think he was certainly pushed by Van Aert and Pitcock. Maybe not as much as he made it look in the end, but they certainly pushed him quite far. Pitcock in the first half and then Van Aert in the second half of his lead. Actually, they did quite the opposite. What does this tell you about their performance today? I think that Pitcock was very aggressive. Pitcock was, um, uh, you know, he was he was the first one, I guess, of the group that really tried to 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 make to break that whole group what they had, which he succeeded in in one part, and then they all came back. And he was the first to react on on Vanderpool, uh, which I think that breaked him up a little bit in that race. I think the effort that he had to put in to get as close as possible to Vanderpool, uh, in the end, cost him. To be good at the end of the race, and uh, you know, I I'm not sure if he would have hold off Van Aert, but uh, he would have been definitely a little bit closer for 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 a second place. I think both riders there just went maximum effort. Um, it, it's completely fine as well with them not racing uh, tomorrow, uh, and it wasn't quite enough today. Um, maybe on different parkours they will have a bit more luck. I think then we can take a look at the entire top 10. Behind the t uh, top 3 of Van der Poel, Van Aert and Pitcock, we saw the two riders of Balsauze, Isabit and Van Tournout. Then we saw two guys of Balwaze Trek, the new team name there. Toon Aerts in front of Lars van der Haar. Toon Aerts never really got in a rhythm. After a crash, a recovery ride for Corne van Kessel to end 8th. In front of Belgian champion Laurens Zweig and it was Quinten Hermans who ended 10th. Let's immediately go back to the rider in fourth, Eli Isabit. He came back after his crash in Zolder, and I think he did a good job, especially considering the circumstances he needed to start in today. Yeah, I think uh, in the uh, podcast we did after Breden, I, I said that uh, Isabit, if he would return, uh, should be happy if he still managed to get a top 10 place, which, by the way, the top 10 on this race is... Uh, you should be very proud if you're able to get in there as uh, someone that isn't usually there right now because it's it's so strong. Uh, but Eli Isabit surpassing all expectations, looking pretty much completely fine, uh, riding a very good race today. I think it's it's one of the first races that we had all four or five guys without any problems in the front group. And it was very good to see what uh, the differences would be between the riders. I think that Isabit really didn't have much damage from, from his from his crash. It seemed that everything worked pretty fine. I think he, he lost a little bit of condition. Maybe he couldn't train uh, after that crash. And um, he's, you know, losing losing a little bit of, 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 of uh, you know, volume in, in, his, uh, in his training program. Um, but he definitely looked pretty good. And 
I think that he should be very happy with the fourth place, and he is uh, ever so close to uh, uh, secure this XVO Badkamers Trophy uh, classification. Yeah, I agree with that, especially because Don Arts once again didn't have the best race. I think it's maybe just not his season, and that injury just adds to it. I think it's just not going the way he wants to, and I don't really know what he can do about it, because we've said it week after week, things aren't going the way as he wants it to be going at this point of the season. No, Don Arts was, in my opinion, even, you know, uh, it's a home race for them, uh, for the Baloaza Trek Lions. Uh, so I expected actually a little bit, you know, better results from, from, from the guys from Nice. Yeah, you can, you can really say that it is a little bit disappointing from Arts. I expected him a little bit more in the front, definitely top five. Uh, now ending in sixth and, you know, really anonymous race in a way because the cameras didn't really focus on him that much because we had those five in the lead. And yeah, it's, you know, we have to start wondering how uh, hard of an impact that crash had that he had with uh, uh, in, in training, and uh, if if that is you know maybe going to hamper his complete season in a way. Yeah, I would have to agree with some. Uh, I think the crash had a impact on Tone Arts, and it's it's costing him, especially in this Christmas period. He's just missing uh, a percent here and there, and uh, but he's still performing to a very high standard. So I think we um, can can only applaud him for this. Uh, maybe he would have been better off taking a bit of a rest. Uh, we'll never know. Then two more things about the men's race. First of all, the unfortunate disqualification of the Canadian champion Michael van der Ham. He got disqualified for entering the pit lane in the wrong direction. I tweeted something about that because I heard the speaker saying something about it. So that was just to clarify that, what happened there. And then finally, something new in this podcast. Uh, leading towards the World Championships, we are going to give you the results of the under-23 riders who rode in the Elite race. We're doing this because they don't ride their own race and we want to give you guys a picture of who we can expect at the front at the Worlds in Ostend. So the results here in today for the under-23 riders were Turner in first in front of Kielich in second and Kamp in third. Turner is really putting himself down as a force to be reckoned with at the World Championships this way. Ben Turner really going on an impressive run, right as uh, Ryan Kamp isn't doing quite as well as maybe he was at the start of the season. Uh, certainly heading for an interesting uh, World Championships at this rate. Yeah, it's a, it's an it's an all right result from from the from the riders. I think Kamp a, a little bit disappointing. He started so so good and so strong in the beginning of the season, but like it seems to be that the season is coming a little bit longer and longer for Kamp, and that he's you know struggling. Uh, in the last few races, but uh, definitely a good result for Turner, and indeed uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what the under-23 uh, championships will bring for us. Yeah, I agree about Kamp. Usually he was in the back end of the top 10, sometimes even in the middle, but today he just managed to outsprint Thibaut Nice, who ended 18th in his home race. Things are improving for Nice as well, and maybe it's coming at the right time towards the World Championships, who knows? But there was more racing than just the men's race. As per usual, the women's race was there as well. And this time we had another exciting race there with a cool battle between Alvarado and Brandt. Tell us about it, Twan. Yeah, so we started off quite quickly with uh, Denise Betsma again uh, pushing very hard in that first lap. Uh, immediately making a split, Alvarado able to follow her and Brandt catching up as well. 
and uh, these three would go on to battle it out for the remainder of the race but slowly but surely it became clear that Basma didn't quite have it today and she would be dropped and it was Alvarado that was able to put in a final acceleration to take victory ahead of Lucinda Brandt. Key moment in that last lap, which was uh, very exciting, was the moment when they topped the last hill. Brandt didn't get in her pedal, uh, trying twice, and that really cost her because, yes, Alvarado had a two second gap, but two seconds got four seconds because of that. And I think Brandt might have been able to make a sprint out of it, but Alvarado afterwards also said that she was desperate to not make it end in a sprint because she had some kind of problem with her shoe and she was afraid she would lose her shoe in the sprint. And well, we all know what would have happened if that would have happened. No, it's, it's more uh, risking an injury by crashing on that final straight, so uh, good job on her uh, by avoiding that sprint. Yeah, I, th I think that um, that it was a very good race that we have seen with the with the women's race, and, and very nice duo as well. I think Brandt really wanted to, to, to show herself in the new colors, and she had an Alvarado that was just a little bit stronger, a little bit more technical in a way. She made a few mistakes in the beginning, but... After a while, she really got in a rhythm and, you know, then there was nothing to do against her. And I guess those hiccups that Brandt had, um, you know, cost her a little bit. But in the end, I think the strongest one. I think so as well. And what was key to this win of Alvarado was her sublime technique. I've heard commentators saying that Brandt improved her technique. And yes, I agree. She did improve her cornering. But in pure cornering, I think nobody matches Alvarado. Brandt, yes, she improved her technique. But I think it's mainly a confidence thing. Because I heard people say it at downhills. But at these downhills, I think it's more confusing confidence with technique. Now she has the confidence to fully send it and still manage to control her bike. Whilst in the corners, Alvarado is of course also a bit smaller and goes through them a bit faster yeah i think i think that race in herentals where he had the the very long straight descent um showed that a little bit i think the way brandt descended there was was a full send there was uh <laughs> the, the the bravery was you know that was that was maximum sending uh, and that has a little bit to do with technique but that has a lot to do with confidence and i think that really showed it there that um that she has a lot of confidence uh, but in terms of technique, if we go about real cornering and uh, really the, the the handling of your bike, I think Brandt yeah comes comes a little short on on on, on Alvarado. Let's take a look at the entire top 10 then. Behind the podium of Alvarado, Brandt and Betsma, we saw a strong ride by Fem van Empel to end in front of Sanne Kant. Then we saw Annemarie Worst in front of Clara Honsinger, Yara Kasteleit, Manon Bakker and Laura Verdonschot. Let's jump straight back to Fem van Empel. Of course, it was an impressive ride by her, but it was also a rookie mistake by Kant who got uh, beaten on the line by Fem van Empel in the sprint. Yeah, I think very impressive by Van Empel as well, uh, fighting to the line. And just an amazing ride as well, uh, getting in the fourth place, uh, beating out the likes of Kant and Worst. Yeah, I think a really strong uh, performance from Van Empel and, you know, fighting till the line, that's what you want to see. And, uh, you know, I think Kant was a little bit surprised <laughs> that she was coming and, um, you know, she tried everything to, to get in front. But in the end, it was Van Empel that uh, got that fourth place and really good job for such a young rider. Then behind Van Empel and Kant, we saw two riders who bit disappointed a bit here today. Worst in 6th and Honsinger in 7th. For Worst, it's uh, more of a season thing here. I don't think it's her season after that injury she got on the mountain bike, overtraining a bit. And I think it's just not her season. And for her, I mean, she will probably be hoping to improve towards the World Championships, but it's hard to see it happen now. 
For Honsinger, it's more of a question what happened here today. She was tipped to be one of the favorites, also by Sven Nice. In the end, ending seventh, I don't really know what was up. Maybe the parkour was just not hard enough, but I don't really know. Yeah, I think uh, it's really becoming more and more disappointing where we saw like a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel in... Uh, where was it again exactly? In uh, in Hose Zolder where uh, we... Well, at least I definitely thought that she had turned a new leaf, had found the energy again to get going, and then you see this performance again. It's it's a bit disappointing, um, especially for her qualities. You you know she she can do so much more. I mean, uh, we saw it last year, really uh, being able to fight for uh, a lot of victories there. And for Clara Hunsinger, I just think uh, today just. I guess it wasn't tough enough, um, a bit disappointing maybe, but also wasn't the longest race of the year, which doesn't really help her, I think. Yeah, I, I think it, it was it was very slippery, it was hard, but it was not the hardest race that we had this season. Um, I think for Vorst, maybe what helped her in her good result in Zola was the fact that she had a lot of rest, rest does wonders, and I think that really helped her to, to be outperforming the rest uh, and outperforming our expectations in her return you know now uh, the rest is now a little bit gone the training sessions are harder and harder and now you you see the real uh shape forming up compared to the others because the others were not were racing a, a, a very long time and they had a lot of races under their belt she skipped a few uh, and i think that you know really made the difference in zolder and moving from there on you know, made it a little bit harder for her to perform again on that same level. And uh, for Honsinger, I think the race was just not really that hard. Um, I thought that the climbing would suit her a little bit, but you could just see that she was not really getting in the rhythm uh, to fight for a top five. And, you know, in the end, she came a little bit short, but I think still a pretty good performance to be in the top 10 in front of uh, a lot of good, good girls, good women. Then here we'll give you the top three of the under 23 riders as well. As said, a strong ride by Fem van Empel. Fourth was enough to secure first under 23. In second and third were Bakker and Van Alphen. Not really a lot to say about this in my opinion, but maybe more to say for the fourth one, Madigan Munro, first year under 23 from USA. She's been improving steadily over the last couple of weeks and I think she's definitely uh, someone with some big potential. Yeah, I've, I've been watching her performances more closely and it's really uh, been impressive uh, beating out some of the uh, elderly uh, states women of the uh, uh, American team as well. Very impressive. Of course, uh, today we are missing some uh, of the important U23 riders in the women's category. Perhaps some of those riders who weren't here today will be lining up tomorrow, but tomorrow it looks to be more like a matter of who is there than rather who isn't, because Van der Poel and Pitcock are lining up, but the others, they're already in Hulst preparing for the World Cup, which makes sense in a busy period like that. So do you guys think there's any other way than a duel between Pitcock and Van der Poel in the men's race? Yeah, the, the, it's unavoidable, I guess, for them to not find each other in a duel, but... Uh, the way Van der Poel was riding against Tonaz in Bredene, you know, is 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 probably a little bit going to be a little bit of the same. I think he's gonna uh, pick his moment halfway through the race, maybe a little bit later. And you know, we have to see you should see how the how the race will shape up, shape up, and how the legs will feel after bow. Yeah, battle between those two is unavoidable. Uh, I think we can expect Van der Poel to at least wait 
until Halfcross to really try something. Uh, I think he's been uh, quite conservative or trying to be quite conservative with his energy over the past uh, two races. Looking at our predictions, we all do seem to agree on what will happen here in Gullegum. It will probably be a bit of a muddy race, with Van der Poel as winner is what we all expect in front of Pitcock. Then for third place, that's where we see some differences in our predictions. Myself and Tuan with, went with Vermeers, and Issam went with Thibaut Nice. But there's also a women's race there, and not everyone is there at the start as well. But the riders who are there, we're pretty confident that Vos will win, as we all three predicted Vos as winner. Then here are the differences. In second place, I have Kant, Twan has Van der Heide, and Issam has Kant as well. In third place, I have Van der Heide, Twan has Kant, and Issam has Van Alphen. So the top threes are myself, Vos, Kant, Van der Heide, Twan, Vos, Van der Heide, Kant, Issam, Vos, Kant, Van Alphen. Was of course won the race in Bredene. Do you expect a similar scenario like when she won then, that she will uh, break away from the rest pretty easy in the beginning of the race? I, I think we're going to see the same in pretty much the same as in Bredene. Uh, she might struggle a little longer to get rid of the rest, but it should be pretty comfortable. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit more of the same. It definitely helps that she didn't do Baal today and uh, she's going to be uh, fresh at the start in Ingeluggen. Mud in Gulligum, but snow and hit now for the last race in the AKZ cross. And here we have some different predictions. So um, we'll start off. I have Kuhn, Lokes, Boros. Twan has the first two the same, Kuhn and Lokes, but he has Forster in third. Issam goes with Flukiger as winner in front of Meissen and Weber. And Tom also predicted this race. He thinks Ruek will win in front of Boros and Kuhn. As I said, it will be a snowy race there. Do you guys think the snow will really affect the way the race goes? Yeah, I, I definitely think that the snow will affect the race, and especially if there is not going to be a new layer of snow and the the temperature is going to be below zero degrees. It, you know, it's going to be a little bit more slippery, maybe a little bit harder. So I think definitely that you can can look forward to a surprise uh, result there. Yeah, it will be interesting uh, with the snow. Uh, not something that everyone is used to, of course, as uh, we don't get it uh, that often anymore, especially down here in the Netherlands or in Belgium. So uh, it will be very interesting to see. Then for the women's race, Tom, Issam and Twan all think the same. Lechner in front of Majerus and Helene Clausel. I went a bit different. I had Majerus in front of Lechner and Helene Clausel. Maybe any of you guys has a dark horse to tip here because this is all pretty much the same. Yeah, I, I think uh, that uh, Alma Johansson would be uh, would be a dark horse for this race. I definitely think that she would be able to to get a top ten for sure, maybe even a top up to five uh, to surprise us. But I think with the snow, maybe she can uh, she can handle it pretty well. And um, she had some okay results this season, and maybe this is going to be a good race for her. On a different note, I think uh, some of the Czech woman, uh, women like uh, Stepanova, Havlikova, and Barshgrova are people that we have to watch out for. Uh, Czechs are, of course, renowned for being able to ride quite well in the snow. Uh, so it will be interesting to see if uh, they can do anything to, tomorrow in uh, Heat Now. Then the last race that we're going to discuss is the C1 race in France, in Troy to be specific. And here we all have the same for the places 1 and 2. Boxet in front of Schreiber. And in third place, myself and Tom have Burkier. Twan has Fourcunet. And Issam has Morel Petit-Girard. 
and I think this says something that we don't even know all of these riders and we have some complete junior podiums. I think it says something about the quality of the start field but on the other hand hey you need to be there to race and they're organizing a race so fair play to them. It definitely says something about the quality of the starting field there but it's a C1 race so a lot of points to grab for the riders and ridesters and I think that is definitely going to be interesting to see what's going to happen in that race. Then the last race that we predicted is the men's race there. Here I'm just going to name all the top threes because we have some complete different things. I have Joshua Dubot in front of Steve Chanel and Clément Venturini. Tuan has Venturini to win actually in front of David van der Poel and Chris Pain. Then Isam has Venturini to win as well but in front of Rousseau and Joshua Dubot. And Tom has David van der Poel to win in front of Venturini and Dubot. So Venturini and Dubot, these are the names that are coming back here. But it looks to be a bit of a more open race and luckily for us it's streamed as well. Yeah, it's very nice that the race is streamed and um, definitely interesting to see what, what's going to happen in that race. And I think for, you know, Dubot is probably the man to watch but... It can be a surprise race because uh, it seems to be a race to be in the, in, in in a park, uh, and you know you never know in in those races how it's going to be lying there. It can be a very fast race, uh, but maybe with the rain it can change uh, the the whole parkour completely, and we might see other other riders rising in 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 that start list. Well, then I think we had it all for today. Tomorrow we'll be actually talking about what happened in all these three races. So for now, I would like to thank Twan and Nissan for joining me to talk about Baal. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you for hosting. And with that said, it's time to round off this episode of the Cyclocross Social Podcast. If you liked it, don't forget to leave it a rating or share it with your Cyclocross friends. And I will see you guys tomorrow for a new podcast. See you then. Goodbye.